0: Uh-oh, that gliding baseball rag See the pitcher throw and strike him out You got him going Uh-oh, that gliding baseball rag Don't you be a quitter, show him you're a heavy hitter Some classy curve, the pitcher twirling. Go on, kids spin without a whirling Hey, soak it out, soak it out Make a home run, ball, strike Safe hit, first base, make second, you're a bird, keep it going sonny, make me win a lot of money, don't stop, until you're touching third, you're a holy terror, center fielder made an error, slide, slide, you made a good beginning, for you know that your team always makes a winning when you play ball, and sing that baseball all right. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the June 2nd edition of Free Baseball, the podcast that's willing to go into extra innings to bring you the best in observation, insight, and analysis of our national pastime. I'm your host, Robert Kadera. There's a lot to talk about this week. Unfortunately, much of it has to do with things extraneous to the games being played, or perhaps We are watching games of a different sort unfold that overshadow baseball itself. This week, Bally Sports informed the San Diego Padres that they would miss a payment to the club for the broadcast rights to Padres games. A similar message was sent, I understand, to the Arizona Diamondbacks, Earlier this month, a rescue plan was put in place to keep the Rockies games available on cable for their fans in Colorado. How did we get to this point? We'll take a look at that. On top of that, the Dodgers announced that they were observing Pride Month by bestowing a Heroes of the Community Award on the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence a bunch of drag queens who dress as nuns and perform sacrilegious anti-Catholic routines. Of course, Rob Manfred did another of his blowing-in-the-wind performances, first telling the Dodgers to drop it all and then caving at the first sign of pushback from LGBTQ spokespeople. Commissioner Manfred's lack of common sense and backbone is a topic for serious examination in a later show, but we'll take a look at what he has most recently stepped into in today's program. We will get back to baseball itself after that. I've got a special unsung hero for you today, and of course we'll have trivia questions and answers for you as well. I've decided to postpone our look at artificial intelligence in baseball for another two weeks. Next week, there will be no free baseball podcast as I celebrate my Diamond Jubilee, but the show will be back on June 16th. So let's get started. Jane, can you give us your intro? days ago, Diamond Sports Group, also known as Bally's, decided not to pay the San Diego Padres their latest broadcast rights fees. Bally's had been slow paying the Padres and other teams, missing payment deadlines, and paying just prior to the end of grace periods all season long. What their decision to default means is that they no longer have the rights to televise Padres games, and Tuesday's game was the last game that was televised, as they have breached the contract they had with San Diego. Now consider this. Diamond Sports Group also holds the rights to 13 other big league teams— The Diamondbacks, Braves, Reds, Guardians, Tigers, Royals, Angels, Marlins, Brewers, Twins, Cardinals, Rays, and Rangers. The next payment to default will be with the Diamondbacks, and they will be in the same position as the Padres. It's expected that Diamond Sports Ballys will eventually default on all payments to all teams as they try to work their way out of a Chapter 11 bankruptcy filing. How did this happen? Why did MLB sell rights to a company that had no prior experience in regional sports networks? It's really no mystery. Money. Diamond Sports borrowed $8 billion when it bought the regional sports rights from the Walt Disney Corporation four years ago. But their specialty was not streaming sports. Their main business was running casinos and gambling. Well, it appears that Diamond Sports has lost this bet, and so has Major League Baseball. As a result, MLB now has to step in and guarantee broadcasts will continue through the end of the season. Whether they can acquire rights quickly enough to do this seamlessly remains to be seen. Keep in mind that some of the largest market teams have their own networks, like YES Network, for example, or SNY, and these teams are not a part of this mess. Also, the Seattle Mariners have a separate agreement with a different regional carrier in the Pacific Northwest. What MLB has ended up with here is mass confusion. They may try to offer the former Diamond Sports Games on MLB TV or on MLB.com. It's going to get more confusing before it shakes out. Keep in mind as well that more and more people are cutting their cable cords, that the paradigm for streaming sports and other services is rapidly changing, and you have a problem that's going to take a long time to solve. If anything positive comes from this mess, it might be that blackouts will be a thing of the past, but I'm not holding my breath on that one. And maybe, just maybe... With the demise of Diamond Bally's network, MLB will have an opportunity to turn away from its recent efforts to interweave gambling and baseball broadcasts. That's a long shot, but one can hope. As if the collapse of Major League Baseball's regional sports network structure isn't bad enough— This week has also seen the Los Angeles Dodgers' decision that it would be a really good idea to celebrate Pride Month by inviting and honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a crass group of drag queens, as heroes of the community. Really? This group's gig is doing sacrilegious portrayals of Catholic nuns participating in all kinds of sexual degeneracy, mocking the religious beliefs of Los Angeles' Catholic community. It's supposed to be funny, get it? Well, the Catholic community of Los Angeles is not amused, and they comprise 40% of the Dodgers fan base. This whole misguided idea would be something like the Dodgers celebrating Jackie Robinson Day by hiring a bunch of white comedians to put on a minstrel show on the infield grass. How do you think that would go down? Never wanting to miss a chance to put his foot squarely in any nearby pile of shit, Commissioner Rob Manfred publicly told the Dodgers to cease and desist. That would have been okay if he had really been taking a stand on principle, but the Los Angeles LGBTQ spokespeople promptly pushed back on his remarks, and Manfred collapsed like a bad souffle. It's gotten so bad that even Christian ballplayers like Clayton Kershaw, who together with his wife runs. Christian relief efforts in Africa and most recently funded efforts against human trafficking in the Dominican Republic, this has caused him to speak out. There's already speculation in the press that this misguided effort to prop up the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence might end up severing the team's connection with Kershaw and end his Dodger career. Think about it, fans. If Rob Manfred had half a brain, If he had a quarter of a brain, instead of posturing against the blasphemy of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and then backing down like a fool, he could have gone to the Dodgers and said, Look, this is a really bad idea. How about for Pride Month, the team honors instead Glenn Burke, a former Dodger, and Billy Bean— the only two openly gay MLB ballplayers who had the courage to be their true selves and play in the bigs, not Rob. He never misses an opportunity to fail in an effort to make himself look good. Remember the 2021 All-Star Game? It was supposed to be in Atlanta, but under pressure from the progressive left, Manfred had the game moved to Denver. This was in response to a claim that Georgia's election laws would suppress the black vote, and so the game was moved. 8,000 hotel reservations in Atlanta were canceled. $100 million got spent in Denver instead, Denver, a city with a 9% Black population, at the expense of Atlanta and Cobb County, Georgia, with its 51% black population. So the black community in Georgia suffered economic hardship so that MLB could look good. Oh, and by the way, the election laws and restrictions in Colorado, they were no better and in some cases harsher than the ones in Georgia, where a higher percentage of the black population voted than in Colorado in the 2022 elections. You can't make this stuff up. All you have to do is open your eyes and see what an incompetent leader Rob Manfred really is. <sighs> Let's get back to baseball. What do you say? Today's unsung hero is someone you've probably never heard of, but there's a lot that can be said about Charlie O'Leary, one of 16 children born to Irish immigrants in Chicago, Charlie O'Leary reportedly played in his first minor league game at the age of 12 when a Chicago White Stockings shortstop was injured. Young Charlie happened to be at the ballpark working as a messenger when someone recommended him as a talented kid to the manager who had him quickly put into the game. He would have played more, but the next day his hand was broken on a wild pitch thrown by then-minor leaguer and future Hall of Famer Rube Waddell. That in itself would be heroic, but Charlie O'Leary is also the oldest man who ever hit safely in a major league game. A single and run scored on September thirtieth, 1934, two weeks shy of his 59th birthday. Sounds like quite a career, right? Well, not so much. O'Leary did make it to the big leagues with the Detroit Tigers in 1904, and for the next six years, he was a teammate of Ty Cobbs. He played all over the infield, but was never much of a hitter, batting just two twenty six for his career. But Charlie did other things. He and a teammate, Germany Schaefer, worked in the off-season as a comedy team in vaudeville. Their act was said to have inspired two MGM musicals, the forgotten 1930 film They Learned About Women and Busby Berkeley's final film Take Me Out to the Ball Game*, starring Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra in 1949. After his playing career ended, O'Leary became a longtime minor league manager and Major League coach. In 1920, he was offered a job by his good friend Miller Huggins, and he served on the Yankees coaching staff during their great run in the 1920s. On July 6th of 1920, O'Leary almost lost his life at the hands of Babe Ruth. O'Leary and the Bambino were driving back to New York after a road victory over the Washington Senators. Rue's wife and two other ballplayers were in the car when the Bambino lost control of the vehicle. O'Leary was completely ejected from the car, but luckily suffered only a concussion. He then went on to coach the Bronx Bombers for 10 more years before moving on to the Cubs and the Browns coaching staffs, And then... On September thirtieth, 1934, which was the last day of the season, O'Leary was activated and sent up to pinch hit. He promptly singled to right field and came around to score, the oldest man in baseball history to do either in a major league game, 21 years after his last previous appearance. To cap off this glorious career and life, Charlie O'Leary became a sanitation worker in Chicago, and died 10 months before Pearl Harbor. Hats off to this week's Unsung Hero. Okay, it's trivia time again on Free Baseball. Last week's question. In 1960, the Baltimore Orioles had a rookie second baseman who hit two sixty-seven stole 10 bases, and played great defense. But the following spring, he lost his starting job to Jerry Adair and never again was a regular in any of his four remaining big league seasons. Who was this man? Well, that's kind of a tough one unless you were born back then or watching the games back then. The answer is Marv Breeding. Marv Breeding. Not exactly a household name, but I'm sure there are still some Oriole fans who remember good old Marv. Okay, this week's trivia question is also going to be a tough one, and we're going to stick with the Baltimore Orioles. In 1955, the Orioles tested a minor league second baseman for 40 games, and then they released him after he hit 114. Six years later, the Pirates brought up a catcher from their Columbus farm team whom they kept around for parts of two seasons before sending him to Washington for two more. Both of these men batted left-handed and threw right. Both were almost career-long minor leaguers, and one more thing they shared. Their last names were the same— and it's uncommon enough that no one else in the history of big league baseball ever played under that name. Oh, and one more thing about them. They had the same first name, too, and many fans still probably believe, in fact, that they were the same player. All right, our trivia question. Who were these two guys, both with the same name, who played for the Orioles and the Pirates? Chew on that this week. That's it for free baseball for this week. Thank you for stopping by. The free baseball podcast is brought to you by Black Range Publishing, producers of the Gabe McKenna Mystery Series and the Black Range Pub podcast. You can find us at www.blackrangepublishing.com. Free baseball can also be found at the following podcast platforms. Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. Come back and enjoy free baseball every Friday. I'm your host, Robert Cadera. Thanks for stopping by.